Welcome to the Fearless Health Podcast with host Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Dr. Barter is on a mission to help people achieve their health and wellness goals and help men and women live their best lives fearlessly. Dr. Barter is the founder of Alternative Family Medicine and Chiropractic in Denver and Longmont, Colorado. Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast and I'm very very excited to talk about intermittent fasting. Um, Wonderful. Your book is really inspiring. And so the first um, topic I want to cover is how you got into this because your story is going to, I think, inspire a lot of people. Well, thank you. Right. This is a second career for me because, you know, I was an elementary teacher. I graduated from college in 1990 with an elementary education degree. I went on to get a master's degree in um, science education. Basically, it's natural sciences. And then I got a doctorate in gifted education. But I was just happily, you know, teaching children, working with gifted learners. But all the time I was battling my weight. You know, that's probably a story that that resonates with a lot of your listeners. Um, You know, my weight would yo-yo up and down, up and down. I tried all the things. Then eventually in 2014, I found myself at 210 pounds. You know, I was obese. And I was like, okay, I've got to do something now. I've got to get this under control now because I, you know, I was tired of the yo-yo. I was tired of fighting that battle. And I had actually heard of intermittent fasting in around 2009. You know, there were a few people dabbling in it here and there, a few books you could download, an ebook here and there or something like that. Some people on the web talking about it, but it never really stuck until that, that moment in 2014 when, when I had that turning point of, I've got to do something. Um, I went on to lose over 80 pounds with intermittent fasting. And one thing that was really different when I started in 2014 and really stuck with it is that, you know, Facebook was around and people were in Facebook groups. So I started to, you know, explore some different Facebook groups related to intermittent fasting. And then, um, to make a long story short, I started my own first Facebook group in August of 2015. I had already reached my goal weight, but as I was learning things about intermittent fasting, you know, I would I would see people in some of the groups and they would be giving advice. I'm like, wait, no, 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 not that advice. Do this. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> the, te- the teacher in me, right? I'm, uh-huh. I always am following where the evidence leads. <laughs> and so, you know, one thing I've learned, it's it's no fun going around arguing with people on Facebook. That's not, <laughs> not right. a way to live your life. So I started my own Facebook community, as I said, in 2015. And it was a place where I could support myself and my friends that were dabbling in intermittent fasting. Because as they saw me lose, you know, 75, then 80 pounds, people that I knew were, were doing it too. So it started as a very small Facebook group. And then over the over time from as 2015 turned into 2016 more and more people were joining we ended up with you know 3000 in that little group which seemed like so many at the time but now that seems really small but um we had a pinned post in the group that was like here's where you start here's all the information here's what you do and it kept getting longer and longer and longer and longer and then finally i said you know yeah, the obesity code had already come out. This was it came out in March of 2016, written by Dr. Jason Fung, and it is a phenomenal book. I know you've read it. Mm-hmm. You're a fan fan of yeah, Jason. I, Fung. I definitely like him. He does great. And, but work. but it didn't give you really as many practical tools as I think that people were looking for. So 
the pinned post was getting longer and longer in my group. I wanted to have somewhere to send people. And there really just wasn't a book that had everything all together that I, I was wanting people to read when they were getting started. So that's when I wrote my very first book, Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. It was really just something so I could put in people's hands and say, read this. This is everything you need to know to get started. Just read this. So it's a quick read. Um, and that little book has gone on to do very, very well over the years. And it's brought so many people into the Facebook communities that we're now approaching half a million members. Congratulations. And all of our groups combined. So, you know, continuing to lead the Facebook groups started to turn into my full-time job. I'm also a podcaster. I have a couple podcasts. But as the book did well, I was able to retire from teaching to devote my time full-time to managing the intermittent fasting community. And then was able to write a real, a real book. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to say that Delay, Don't Deny is not a real book. It was self-published. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's 100% me. But um, St. Martin's Press, which is a division of Macmillan, has published my new book, Fast, Feast, Repeat. So it's mm-hmm. out there. It's a New York Times bestseller. So it sure is. That feels and that's how real. I found you. That's exactly mm-hmm. how I found you. Um, okay. Reading that book, because I'm a huge fan of intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. and I love the research and the evidence behind it. But in practice, when I start to recommend intermittent fasting, you get a lot of pushback, as you know, and as you know, running these groups and living this day in and day out. Mm -hmm. But the eat less, move more model is so ingrained. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? (laughs) (laughs) It really is. And, you know, my early days of intermittent fasting, the years 2009 to 2014, and even probably when I was first starting off and doing it before the obesity code, I guess, really, the whole idea that intermittent fasting was just a way to eat fewer calories, we all believed that to be true because it, it was so ingrained. I probably would have argued that back in, you know, 2014. Yeah, we're just eating fewer calories. Then we all read the obesity code and we're like, oh, (laughs) there's a lot more to it than just calories in, calories out. And that, you know, teaches you about the, you know, the hormonal things that are going on in your body, insulin Mm -hmm. and how high levels of of insulin all the time are, are not only one reason why we're trapped with all of our fat and we can't access it, but it's also the root of so many... many, like a cascade of problems within the body. Right. And we're looking at, you know, issues, you know, around insulin resistance, like Mm -hmm. things like PCOS, cardiovascular disease, any sort of inflammatory autoimmune disease, you know, and you even in your book, which I think is interesting, you touched on asthma, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is histamine, it's inflammatory. So it's in the same methodology, but I think that that was really interesting that your own asthma was cured with doing intermittent well, my fasting. Allergies. Oh, was, I'm sorry. Allergies oh, it was actually me. allergies. Yeah. Sorry. I, I was right. never asthmatic, but for me, it was allergies. But we okay. have heard from a lot of people who suffered from asthma that they they had Fantastic. amazing okay. benefits from the fasting. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I think looking at all of that, it's very, very powerful with the hormones. So can you talk about, I think one of the big things that you talk about hormone wise, which I think is really interesting is the human growth hormone right? in the book. And so can you explain how intermittent fasting helps that? 
Yeah, it's really interesting to think about. You know, we all know children when they're when they're little babies, growing children, they have naturally high levels of human growth hormone. They're building building new bodies. And so they're able to build muscle, they're able to build a whole whole body. Well, with intermittent fasting, when we're in the fasted state, it actually ramps up our natural production of human growth hormone as well, even as adults. So we have higher levels of human growth hormone than we would have normally thanks to the intermittent fasting. It helps us, able, we're better able to build muscle. Even I've seen some, some research on you know, improving bone density with the higher levels of human growth hormone. So people you know, will start intermittent fasting and we have um, you know, the human growth hormone going up so we're better able to build muscle. And we're also tapping into our fat stores during the, the fasting time. So a lot of people will really see that they shrink in size like they are losing the fat and they're getting smaller all while building muscle. So they may not see a lot of change on the scale, but they're shrinking down into different clothing sizes, which is really exciting. Although people want to see the scale movement that confuses them. They're like, how come I've dropped two pants sizes and my weight isn't changing on the scale. But once people understand, you know, the magic of body recomposition, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's really interesting what you said in your book. And I love this because I think that our population is so stressed out. There's more to do. Mm-hmm. I have to work out. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to work. I have to fit all of this into my day and I have to eat well. And I don't know how I'm going to fit all of this into my day. And I love how you talked about with the increase in human growth hormone, some of the daily activities that you're doing, like you know, picking up grocery bags, doing yard work is going to be enough to start to increase that musculature. And so something that we know, which I think is fascinating, you know, with what you said in the book is that testosterone, for example, since we're talking about muscle and inflammation have an inverse relationship, right? And so as testosterone goes up, inflammation is lower, right? But if inflammation goes up, then testosterone goes down. And then we will also see that with some of the, it's not quite as clear cut with some of the female reproductive hormones, but we definitely can see that low testosterone is an epidemic. And so if you can get rid of some of the inflammation and allow your body to clean some of the inflammation up and do what it's naturally able to do, we see huge changes, right? So it's really, Absolutely. really cool. Overall. It really is. It's like it gives us a factory reboot back to, you know, a more youthful state. You know, I just, I'm about to have my 51st birthday and I feel better you know, <laughs> now at 50 than I did all those years in my 30s when I was struggling so hard. You look great. Thank oh my you. goodness gracious. <laughs> You're about to have your 50th. That's impressive. Well, I'll, I'm 50 now, but 51. I'll be 51. Right? <laughs> Super cool. Yeah. So, and you basically attribute a lot of that to intermittent fasting, correct? Oh, yes. Yes. I'm going through menopause now, um, which is so much fun as a woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's great. a different time, but you know, I'm, I'm really sailing through and I, I think that's a credit to intermittent fasting. It's helping me make the transition still feeling great. I'll have a hot flash here and there, but nothing debilitating and I'm not gaining weight, which is huge phenomenal. In right. menopause. So when we're talking about weight loss with intermittent fasting, because I think that that's what gets people on board with it at the get-go. We're very, we're, we're very um, physically driven creatures. We want to look great, you know, and then we want to feel great, but we really want to look great. So that's what I've seen, you know, and so, so what are you seeing 
weight loss um, wise with intermittent fasting? Are you seeing about half a pound a week, something in that range? Or are you seeing bigger numbers fall like two pounds a week? It's really so very unique. And it depends on someone's overall health metabolically, hormonally when they start. You know, someone may start and actually gain weight at first, you know, depending on, on on what's going on with them. You know, I have a period of time in the in the book Fast Feast Repeat called the 28-day fast start. And unlike, you know, diet plans where they're like, in your first 28 days, you'll drop 10 sizes and lose, you know, whatever, dozens of pounds. I'm telling you, no. Yeah. <laughs> During your first 28 days, you may not lose, you may actually gain as your body has to learn how to do a new thing. So when anyone is starting off with intermittent fasting, I encourage you to weigh, measure, take photos on day zero before you start, and then put all that away for 28 days. Do not weigh, do not measure, don't take progress photos. And then on day 29, you can pick them all back up again. You weigh yourself, start taking the photos again, start with your measurements. You may not see that anything has changed in that, that first 28 days, but you may be pleasantly surprised. But from that point on, Slow and steady weight loss is what you'll be looking for. You know, it might be about a pound a week. It could be less than that. Um, a lot of times it starts off really slowly and then actually will will build up over time. When I was losing to get to my initial goal, um, I was losing probably about a, at a, a pound a week, you know, with the five-hour eating window. Towards the end, um, spring of 2015, I was motivated to lose weight more quickly because I wanted to buy my new spring wardrobe. And I tightened up my eating window and really focused on eating whole foods, high quality foods. And I lost about two pounds a week just by making a couple of tweaks with food choices. So, and that was at the end, you know, most people lose weight slower at the end. I, the weight was coming off really quick for me at the end, just from tweaking my food choices. And I think my body was just really adapted to fasting and had become skilled at tapping into stored fat for fuel. Mm-hmm. So you were, so you're doing, um, what type of window do you think is best for intermittent fasting? You see, and the, the word best is, there's just really no best. I do, you know, <laughs> yeah. What, what time, of, you know, time frame it, it, do you, first of all, it really it depends on your goals. You know, my husband never needed to lose weight. He, um, watched me, you know, struggle. He's always been, you know, so thin. <laughs> He's just like that. <laughs> we also just had our, our um, some blood work done. His fasting insulin level was very, very low, which mm-hmm. makes sense. See, if someone naturally has very low insulin levels, they're going to have a hard time storing a lot of fat. We know that. Right. So he's just one of those people. <laughs> so <laughs> insane. But he does a kind of a loose 16 8 approach, mean, meaning he skips breakfast and he has lunch and then he has dinner. That's pretty much what he does every day. For me, you know, I tend to eat later in the day because I'm more productive before I open my eating window. So um, when we're done with, with recording this, I'll go open my window with something. And usually my window is anywhere from two to six hours. It just depends. I'm not trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. You know, we also can get caught up in the less is more kind of a, a mindset. The shorter the window must be better. Not necessarily. You know, some people may think, well, if if a five-hour eating window is good, then a 30-minute eating window is going to be even better. And you may actually find that not to be the case for you. You could start feeling the urge to binge, that sort of thing. Your body will let you know. So someone might do great with a two-hour window most days, but sometimes need a little more, whereas someone else may do great with a 
a six hour eating window. And it just really depends. Um, I have a chapter called tweak it till it's easy. And that's where you get to play around with all the different things, all the different strategies in the intermittent fasting toolbox. And you can figure out what works for you day to day. Also knowing that what works for you today may not be what works for your body in a month. Things could change. You may need to shake things up. So many ways to change things up. Yeah, I think also it's been interesting to hear people say, well, I intermittent fast. I'm like, oh, that's great. And when you dig into it, they're like, well, I skip breakfast and then I eat lunch and dinner. And then you kind of dig in a little bit. and Okay, so you're not having anything at breakfast. Well, I have a coffee. Okay, what's in that coffee? Right. Well, it's a frappuccino. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, no, that doesn't, nope. <laughs> that's, you're, you're really spiking your blood sugar on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so for that, you know, I, I think a lot of the recommendations from the intermittent fasting community have generally been coffee black. If right. you're going to do anything. Is yes. that correct? And- and, and for me, I think that's one thing that really distinguishes my book from most of the other ones out there, if not almost all of them. And um, it's a phrase that we coined in our Facebook support groups called the clean fast. And the clean fast means that when you're fasting, you need to focus on, you know, what is, what is the fasting doing for your body? You know, we talked about insulin. We want to keep our insulin low. And we do that by not having anything, any kind of flavor that's going to make your brain think food's coming in. Um, for example artificial sweeteners. You know, our brains don't understand that those are, are zero calories. Our brain just tastes the sweetness and thinks, ooh, it doesn't happen because you're drinking a diet soda. And then you get all out of whack from that. And your insulin is, is higher, which is not what we want. So we keep our insulin low by avoiding anything that tastes sweet or that tastes food-like. That would even include things like you know, lemon, don't put lemon in your water. You want your water to just be plain and taste like water. We also want to tap into our fat stores for fuel. So you'll see, you know, here and there, YouTube videos or or people who recommend adding fat to your coffee. I'm sure you've Mm -hmm. seen that, you know, the Mm -hmm. the fatty coffee. And um, fat raises insulin less than, than the sweetness, but it still has an effect. And if you're putting fat into your beverages, you're not going to be tapping into your stored fat for fuel. So we don't want to add that um, into what we're, what we're having during the fast. And then the third thing that um, I want people to keep in mind is increased autophagy. Mm-hmm. Autophagy is our body's cellular cleanup program. It's like recycling, upcycling. It's where your body has time to rummage around with all the junk and clean things up. And in order to stimulate that through fasting, we have to make sure we're not taking in anything that would shut it off, like a protein source. So if you're having, for example, bone broth with, with you know collagen, adding collagen to your coffee, that would not be what we would recommend because that's going to halt autophagy. So keep insulin low. Don't add anything with fat in it into your fasting time. That would not be fasting. And also don't add anything with the source of protein during the fast. So you want to stick to plain water, plain sparkling water, black coffee, black tea, stick to just the ones that have the bitter flavor profile because a a bitter flavor profile like um, black coffee and plain tea are not associated with an insulin response. And do you feel like um, you think coffee tends to be safe as long as people aren't doing that and tea tends to be safe foods. I always, I used to struggle with coffee because Mm -hmm. 
it will it, it personally spikes my blood sugar. So well, I here's actually why. I it, actually it actually it, it actually um cl- helps your liver clear out some of that stored glycogen that's in there. So you let's say you're you're fat in the fasted state and you drink some black coffee, you may see a rise in blood glucose. But where's that blood glucose coming from? From your glucose from from your glycogen stores in your liver. So you're going to see that spike. But we want to clear out the glycogen stores in our liver because that helps us to get deeper into the fasted state. It helps us get into ketosis. So that little momentary blip of blood sugar may not be the bad thing that you were thinking it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just and a I, step along the way. It's pretty incredible. Pretty yeah. incredible. So I personally do a clean fast. Okay, so good. I don't do any coffee, tea, nothing, no supplements until just I water. eat. Yep. I just do straight water. And I honestly feel great. I feel like I can feel all the things and all my feelings doing that. And right. you're just not using food as any sort of crutch. What's mm-hmm. interesting when I start to eat, what I've found is really powerful is all I crave are healthy foods when I start okay. to eat, right? Mm-hmm. You don't crave any snacky foods, cut out snacking. You don't need snacking anymore. And the blood sugar le- le- levels are so much more stable mm-hmm. versus eat five meals a day or eat, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. So, right. but what's interesting is when you're talking to folks about starting them to get into intermittent fasting, especially if they have high blood glucose levels, high insulin levels, they say, oh, I can't, I can't go that long without eating. I can't, I can't do that. I, I need my snacks. I need this. I need that. And I find myself having to negotiate initially about like nine to five (laughs) and then like slowly in, but but you, you hear a lot of that because they get shaky or mm-hmm. they have these blood sugar dips because the blood sugar is so unstable. Right. Have you seen that? We do see that, especially during the adjustment phase. And that's why in the 28-day the fast start, people can choose from a few different ways to adapt to fasting. And there's one in there that's more of an easy does it kind of approach for people like that. People who have that blood sugar roller coaster going on all day, they're going to need to take a slower approach to fasting. You're not just going to start on day one, you know, waiting till 5 p.m. to eat because their bodies can't handle it. They're they're not able to tap into the stored fat for fuel. Their blood sugar will drop. It's really, you know, it's too much for their body all at once. So easing in is, is what we recommend for people like that. But once you get adapted to fasting and your body is skilled at tapping into your fat stores, you'll find a steady source of energy that doesn't go up and down, up and down. Now, one caveat, if someone is not fasting clean, you will continue to see that that blood sugar roller coaster. Like, let's say you think, well, I watched a YouTube video that said that stevia did not break a fast, so I'm going to use stevia. Hmm. So you're going along and you're having your coffee with stevia in it. Well, your body releases insulin in response to the stevia and that does what it's designed to do, lowers your blood sugar. So you may find that you're having a crash and you may feel shaky. So if you ever feel like you know, you're experienced with fasting, you've been doing it a while, you should be adapted, but you're still having those crashes, really examine the fast and see, is there something that, that is inadvertently breaking the fast? Even something like, I mean, this might sound crazy, but like a flavored lip balm, you know, they do call them flavors. If you're using like a vanilla flavored lip balm or something that's very fruity, that can be just enough to send your brain the signal that food's coming in. So you want to stick. I use peppermint Burt's Bees with no problem. It doesn't make my brain think food is coming. But um, some people can't use peppermint and it doesn't work well for them. 
you know, vaping. And I know you would not um, <laughs> probably recommend vaping to anyone, nor would I, but there are people who do it and that can break a fast because it's got, you know, the sweetness, those liquids. So even supplements that people may be taking may be causing them a problem and they just hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. All those things, pharmaceuticals as well, right. same thing. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you're going to clean fast, you should really yeah. clean yeah. fast through that that piece or that point. So one really cool thing that I thought you mentioned that I thought was really interesting that you mentioned in the book was about the saggy skin piece mm-hmm. and how much, you know, you had lost 80 pounds and you don't have any saggy skin on your body. Why is that? And, and can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, that's the magic of autophagy again, and that's that cellular cleanup. You know, it's really interesting. I was looking at a photo just the other day. Um, It popped up on my Facebook memories. And, you know, I lost the weight 2014 into 2015. And I, by 2016, I had been in my goal range for, for a year, but there I was sitting with my husband at dinner in 2016. And this photo was taken and I had huge saggy underarm area from this photo. And I was like, wow. A year into maintenance, and my arm looked like that, and it continued to get better over time, which is which is fascinating. And that's what happens during the clean fast. Your body has to work on something, and your body doesn't want to have excess skin hanging all over the place. So, over the the four years from well from 2016 to today in 2020, there were improvements in my skin just over time, just from you know just from daily fasting, daily eating window, daily fasting, the clean fast. That's incredible. It I really had never is. heard that before, um, mm-hmm. that actually in the, the saggy skin could be reuptaken. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that a lot of that was boiled down to genetics. You know, mm-hmm. oh, some people just have saggy skin. Some people don't. Oh, that's genetics for you. So, Well, and I will say that as you get older, your skin elasticity does change. You know, like I said, I'm going through menopause with hormonal changes. I'm noticing a little little change in my skin elasticity here and there, <laughs> but that's just a natural hormonal change. So if someone is older, for a woman on the other side of menopause, you may not quite see, I mean, you're not going to return to the skin of your twenties, you know. Do you even the, have lines by your eyes? I, <laughs> I don't think you do. <laughs> I don't oh, think yes. that's true. <laughs> so what real benefits can we see from doing intermittent fasting and, and how long do you really think it's going to take us to see some of these benefits? You know, weight loss, obviously we've really hit that, but what other benefits have you heard about in your groups and, and whatnot, what people have experienced? Really, it's just remarkable what we hear, you know, with, with so many people in the community. Um, you name it, we've, we've heard it <laughs> as far as, like, even something unbelievable like a 30-year-old C-section scar that, that almost completely went away. I mean, it used to be ropey, and now it's barely, you can barely see that it was there. That sounds unbelievable, and it's like made up, but people have reported that so many times. But as far as, as health goes, you know, we see people who are pre-diabetic and even diabetic have their A1C return to normal levels, normal levels after, after being, you know, diabetic and pre-diabetic. We see that all the time. Um, you know, autoimmune conditions, we see people having fewer flares of all sorts of different things. Um, plantar fasciitis, that's a very common one that we hear from. People no longer suffer from that. I could just go on and on. Keep going. I think it's so awesome. <laughs> if it's related to, if it's related to inflammation, 
you know, any anything you've got going on related to inflammation, high levels of insulin, um, metabolic syndrome, intermittent fasting can help with all of that. You know, even you know mental clarity. You know, they're even calling Alzheimer's type three diabetes these days. Totally. So I think that um, intermittent fasting is a way to to help us age well. I mean, the studies on that have been that that is very a very powerful way to right. manage it um, per se. So brain deterioration in any oh, yeah. regard. What about um, in the group? Have you seen any changes with, say, depression or anxiety at all with intermittent fasting? Yes. Now, as you're adjusting to intermittent fasting, sometimes people find that they actually feel worse for a while, especially if they were someone who had been using food as a coping mechanism, because now you're no longer using food as a coping mechanism, you're fasting. So that can cause some people to struggle as they adjust to the the new normal. But over time, a lot of people find that they, um, they feel a lot better with anxiety and depression because of ketones. When we're in the fasted state, our body produces ketones to fuel our brains and our brains love ketones. So that just gives you kind of an upbeat mood. It's kind of like nature's own upper (laughs) and it's free and you make it from your stored body fat. What could be better than that? Right. And I think too, you know, when I run testing, there tends to be a lot of brain inflammation, something Mm -hmm. called quinolinic acid. And that definitely makes you feel like you have low neurotransmitters in general. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is made, you know, in the gut, in the GI system, although not all of it is. And, you know, when I, when you detox somebody, depending on what they've been exposed to, you know, there are, there are certainly those inflammatory levels are going to go down. Mm-hmm. But as you're detoxing out of the fat, your body's going to naturally let go of whatever those toxins are right naturally. So whether you're exposed to long-term heavy metals or mold or, you know, just benzene or whatever it was, you're going to start to definitely detoxify those. So I'm assuming that that's another reason, not only the emotional piece, which is huge, that's a huge piece, but, and you're feeling the trauma and everything that you've stuffed down, but also the environmental piece, probably Mm -hmm. some folks relive some of that. Um, That's true. Has that been a comment in the Facebook group too? Yes. Yes. And, and people that are very aware and in tune with their bodies realize that's what's happening. You know, the whole detox process brings things up, like you said, physically and emotionally for people. So you've, I mean, I've, I'm sure that you've seen some pretty major changes in the Facebook group with like PCOS or female reproductive problems. Mm -hmm. So has that been almost magical? Like they don't have to seek treatment and they're better with the intermittent fasting. It's re-regulated their hormones to that degree. Fantastic. We've had, you know, I mean, over and over and over again, a woman will come in and announce, I have PCOS and I've been infertile and I'm going to have to stop fasting now because I'm pregnant. We've heard that over and over again. If if someone is struggling with fertility, um, with PCOS, fasting lowers insulin levels. PCOS is related to high levels of insulin. So it it really makes a, a huge difference for a lot of women. That's right. PCOS, I think, for those of you guys listening out there, is basically a blood sugar. It's a huge blood sugar issue. I mean, I'm oversimplifying it, but higher blood sugar, higher testosterone for women. Mm -hmm. You can or you can't have cysts, but it is a huge, huge problem. And you certainly don't have to be overweight to have it. You can be a skinny um, PCOS, which there are two types. So Mm -hmm. um, 
so anyway, but yeah, that's higher testosterone levels, infertility, cystic acne that won't go away, heavy flow, et cetera. So um, yeah, it's, it's intermittent fasting is fantastic for for women that suffer with that. I actually interviewed Dr. Cecily Ganhart. Yep. Um, for, for, you know, you know, Dr. Ganhart. Uh, no. Okay, she's a OBGYN, um, and she uses intermittent fasting with her patients who have yeah. PCOS, and she's seen remarkable results with them. Incredible. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, it's free. It's it cheaper, is. right? Yeah. It'll save you money. It'll save you money. Buy, except for my book. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, your book is great. I think it has really good usable step-by-step pieces of what to do. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you feel like is important to cover? No, I mean, I feel like we hit the high points. Really, you know, if someone is, is thinking about starting, I would I would get a copy of Fast Feast Repeat mm-hmm. just because it's really got, you know, I wrote it because I've been guiding hundreds of thousands of people through the Facebook groups for all these years since 2015. And I know what questions people ask. I know what people need to know. And so I wrote this book to be everything you need to know right here in in one book. There's an index, there's frequently asked questions. And I'm a teacher, as we talked about early on. And so um, I wrote it as a teacher teaching you about intermittent fasting and what I know. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I do understand the science. Well, um, my background helped me with that, but you know, also having the groups made me dig into the science. When someone would come in and say, I have PCOS, should I do intermittent fasting? I didn't used to know the answer to that. I had to look for it, (laughs) you know, getting a, getting a doctorate taught me to research things. And so, um, you know, I learned it all along the way by, by helping other people find the answers. And that, that's what teachers do. And so let me teach you about intermittent fasting through mm-hmm. Fast, Feast, Repeat. And I think you brought up two good points I just want to touch on. Um, number one is that the studies, the studies, a lot of the studies on intermittent fasting are not only done on animal models, but they're done on human models, right. which is actually pretty rare in the diet world mm-hmm. and, and what we're seeing with research studies. So that's really powerful to see that people are losing weight. And obesity is such an epidemic. So the advice that has been given for so long clearly isn't quite hitting the nail on the head. So we almost have to take a take a 180. Um, it's true. It really right? is 180 of what, what we were told for so long, you know, eat less, move more, fuel yourself frequently during the day, six small meals. I mean, all of that we were taught mm-hmm. and it was exactly the, the wrong thing to do. That's what happens. If you, if you do that, if you're eating frequently throughout the day, you're keeping your insulin up all the time. That's like a ticket to hyperinsulinemia, right? Drink right. a diet soda instead. No, no, no. All those <laughs> things, it's, like, it's like the perfect storm that, that created the obesity epidemic. Yeah, that is a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And I it's been interesting that through the years I've always fasted. I've always felt the need to fast. I've always done you know 24 hour fast, sometimes even 3 day fast. Like I just kind of go until my body tells me no more, yeah. you're done. Um and so for sometimes that's been longer than others, but when I'm really busy, it's a much shorter window, so mm-hmm. like a day or two. And I used to get the craziest looks doing that. They, people thought I was insane. People thought I had all kinds of eating disorders. I'm like, I'm just trying to give my body a break Mm -hmm. to actually clean up 
everything that's going on to give it a break from food. So I'm not digesting. I can clean up everything in my system. And it's what's so interesting about doing that. And I'm not certainly recommending that here is to, because it it depends on what's going on with you, but intermittent fasting is relatively safe for sure. But I remember jumping off on a nail when I was a kid and I ended up reliving that injury 30 years later or something crazy like that. The first time I fasted, I was actually limping on that foot or this injury or that injury. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's still there, even though it healed up however many years ago, which is fascinating. Yeah. We, you know, we, we, we have things buried down deep inside and they pop back up. So don't be surprised if that happens. But yeah, I think intermittent fasting is really something that, um, is right for almost everyone. Mm-hmm. If you have a diagnosed eating disorder, then you need to work with your clinician mm-hmm. to make sure. We don't recommend it for you. Also for, for children who are still developing physically, you know, I wouldn't put children on an intermittent fasting plan, but if you're a fully mature adult without an eating disorder and you're not pregnant or breastfeeding, you know, there's probably an intermittent fasting approach that will help you live a healthier life. And even if your goal is not weight loss, you know, this is what was so fascinating. Have you read the new, um, the New England Journal of Medicine article that came out in December? What was it on? It was on intermittent fasting. Uh-uh. It was a summary review. Mark Matson, who's my very favorite intermittent fasting researcher, he does brain research at um, Johns Hopkins. But the New England Journal of Medicine asked him to write a review article of all of the, the positives of intermittent fasting. And it came out in December, December 26th. And it hit all the news cycles because it was, you know, right after the holidays where dieting is big business. And so everyone was talking about his article in the New England Journal of Medicine. But what was fabulous is they were spinning it with, this is a healthy way to live. It wasn't just weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. So for that period of time right after that, we saw a lot of people joining our Facebook community who came for the health benefits. And that's what I really want people to keep in mind. You know, intermittent fasting is the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. If you are approaching it only from, I am going to do this because I want to lose weight, you may be disappointed. You may not see the weight loss quickly. And then you'll be like, well, that was just another failed diet plan. Really, instead of thinking, I need to lose this weight so I can get healthy, think about intermittent fasting as I need to get healthy, then I can lose this weight. It's, it's We've really had it backwards all this totally. time. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the last things to happen when you're getting somebody healthy. It's just right. that it's not the biggest priority to lose weight for, for the, the body. body, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the first place that you're losing weight is on the visceral fat because it's the most dangerous. Is that correct? That is true. With intermittent fasting, our our bodies tap into that dangerous visceral visceral fat. And some people will say, gosh, I've lost all this scale weight, but I haven't gone down any sizes. Well, maybe your body was clearing out fat from a fatty liver or from around your internal organs. And so, you know, your genes haven't gotten you haven't had to go down a size yet, but you're clearing out that dangerous fat and you need to be patient and give your body time to catch up. Yeah. Amazing. Well, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? 
Well, the best place to find everything I do is on jenstevens.com and it's G-I-N Stevens with a P-H, jenstevens.com. It has links to my Facebook group and my podcasts and um, you can find my books there, see what I've done. Awesome. And if, if you like podcasts, search for Jen Stevens. And I know your listeners do like podcasts because they listen to the podcast. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so if you search for Jen Stevens on any podcast app, you'll find Intermittent Fasting Stories where I talk to real intermittent fasters just like you who share their story with my audience. Um, some of them are, are will really tug at your heartstrings, but all of them will inspire you. And I have a, another podcast. If you're interested in more of the science side of things, um, Melanie Avalon is my co-host on the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. And we've been doing that one since 2017. And we, we answer listener questions about all things intermittent fasting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your knowledge. This has been great. And thanks for all you do. And thank you. it's just been awesome to talk to you today. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed learning with us today, please give us a five-star review, comment, like, and share our podcast with your friends and family. As always, if you'd like to learn more information about today's guest, please head over to fearlesshealthpodcast.com for links to their site and other educational resources.